you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. If you believe that, go ahead and lift up. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. There's a... There's an old song that goes like this. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee how great thou. I wonder if we can not only connect the words that we sing, but if we can allow our souls to engage what we proclaim then sings my soul my savior god to thee said how great thou art how great thou art if he's been good to you if, if you know him to be great clap your hands Lift your voices, allow your soul to express how truly great he is this evening. Y'all are more welcome to, to head back to your seats. Um, I do want to first and foremost give honor so to my pastor and my pastor's wife, I would like to give you honor this evening. I'm so blessed to have y'all um, leading me, guiding me in my ministry. To the pastoral staff, um, to the newcomers, been my, my longest friends um, as long as I can remember. Thank y'all for being here. To the, the Lytles and to the Jordans, um, thank you for all the work that you do. Honor you here right now. Um, and two, brother and sister Gillian, I don't see Evan, but I give him honor in the very back. I give him honor um, for his confidence in me, um, for his faith, for being led by the Lord, allowing to share his, his ministry with me. I give him honor. I'm only going to read from one single verse. Should be pretty quick and easy. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 19. If you have, say amen. If it's up on the back, say amen. There it is.
Romans chapter 5, verse 19 states like this, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. That one man was Adam. For by one man, by, by Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. So, it's only just, it's only true, that by the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, that many shall be made righteous. Today, I want to talk to you about a simple thought that I have titled, Lost and Found in a Garden. Lost and Found in a Garden. Go ahead, let your Bibles go, lift your hands, lift your voice, lift your hearts. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the work that you have done on Calvary. Lord, for loving us before we even deserved it. We never deserved it. Father, Lord, we come to you thankful. We come to you grateful, Jesus. Lord, you let your words be heard. Let your words be spoken. Lord, change a life. Affect the destiny, Jesus. We, we ask these things in your precious name. In your precious name, amen. If you know that precious name, go ahead and, go ahead and yell it to me. Brother Townsend, um, I don't know if there's anything you can do. The audience is super quiet. Is there a way that you can turn them up? No? Okay. It's unfortunate. If you know that name, go ahead and yell it at me. Jesus, this precious name of Jesus. You may, you may be seated. Go ahead and sit down. The Lord started to work on my heart and on my mind last Saturday evening. I mean, he gave me a word and I come in. Sunday with the official word that today it would be I who was preaching. So I, I don't find it funny. I don't find it convincing. It's a little interesting in some instance um, that the Lord laid something on my heart just hours before I was going to announce that. I thought that was weird. So I began to think the titles about gardens. I want to talk about gardens this evening. I have no, um, no experience in gardens, I have no experience with gardening. I'm not a gardener. I don't have a green thumb. I am a murderer when it comes to plants. When it comes to plants, it's being recorded. Sweet Jesus. So I began to think, well, what what else do I have experience? Because I want to I want to draw draw you in with one of my personal stories. I can find a story about a garden or a poem. But I wanted to find something that was that was mine that I could give to y'all and relate to y'all. And so nothing about gardens, but I do have a story about being in the woods. So that may may be close enough. I'll let y'all decide. But um, brother Evan and I, he took me, allowed me to to go with him to his family's farm up north, and we were all intents and purposes we were going to hike. And so we wake up early one morning and we we make the hike. It feels like an eternity. It was half a mile, maybe maybe a mile. So we get to our spot, we set up, we're ready, we're ready for the deer to come out. We're ready to shoot. We're ready. We're ready. And all of a sudden we notice that there's something lurking in the shadows. There's something that has been following us. We who were the, the predators looking to, to catch a prey.
prey. Now we have become the prey, looking to become, well, hopefully staying the predators. But soon enough, light starts to shine through, and we, we, this animal gets closer, makes its intentions known. And out of the shadows bounces a corgi. A corgi is trying to ruin my hunt. Trying to catch a deer. That's how much you know that I know about, about hunting. I said catch a deer. You don't catch a deer. You shoot a deer. Right? You don't catch a deer. But this corgi was all over the place. Black and white, distracting. Distracting for me, distracting for Evan. Uh, distracting for the deer that we were hoping to find. I remember, Evan, I believe you took the corgi and stuffed it in your jacket, zipped it up, and hoped that it would, that it would, it would, it would just chill out. Soon enough, we figured that this corgi was not going to be tamed. And so we had to take it back to its barn. And here's two grown men running from the, far, uh, from the barn, hoping that this corgi wouldn't catch up. Jetting. The original spot was over here. We're, we're making this way. So if the corgi comes out, well, sure enough, the corgi comes out, head little bouncing, running back to where we where we found it, where he found us. We find in the the opening of scripture that it's it's far different than the, the scenario, the, the story that I pictured. There's no hunters, there's no predators. In the very beginning. But it opens up. Genesis 1-1 states that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Lord started to create things out of thin air, out of chaos. The Lord started to create light. And he created the sun and the moon and the stars. And he started, he started to separate the land from the sea and the sea from the from the firmament, from the heavens, what they call the sky. He started creating animals and reptiles, amphibians, uh, birds, and fishes. We find later on in chapter 1 of the first book of Genesis that the Lord decides to make man. No, does he make man. He lays his hands on man and he molds man, but um, he breathes into him the breath of life. And he, he shapes man in his own image. Everything else, the birds, the, it was just a, a creation. Just birds come, fish, people, whales, these, and they were formed through man in his image. We are the image bearers of Christ. He, he represents Christ. That is our, our first main purpose that God created. He gives us from there. He gives us, he gave Adam and Eve authority. He said in verse 28, to have dominion over all the earth, to have dominion over the garden. In verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2, it says that he uh, gave them authority to dress it and to keep it. This was their purpose, was to dress and to keep the garden. Not only were they workers within the garden that they were placed, but they were allowed to walk with the Lord daily. It says that the Lord would come down and walk with them in the cool of the evening. I don't know about y'all, but that, to me, 
and what he wants for me. That sounds like where I want to be. That's my end goal. I would like to be in paradise, walking with the Lord, having his authority, being who he's called me to be, where he's called me to be. With the authority, with the dominion that was given, there was also a command that the Lord gave Adam and Eve. He said, thou shalt eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that ye eat of it, ye shall surely die. So they had one job and one purpose and one command. Keep the garden, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Bible also talks about the tree of life. Two trees, nothing ever mentioned about them messing around with the tree of life. But two, we, 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 we come to read that Eve stumbles upon the tree one day and she stumbles upon a, a serpent. And the serpent says, listen, God said, yes, I understand what God said, but it's not true. I'm tempted, he said. You can eat, you're not going to die. You're actually going to become like God if you do eat. Satan had deceived Eve and Eve bought into it. Not only did she buy into the, to the deceit of Satan, but she had given in to her own desires. Scripture says that saw it to be good for food, a tree to make one wise. She desired it. Temptation is non-existent if there's no desire. If I don't have the desire for something, I can't be tempted in it. You said, Chad, let's go skydiving. No desire. No desire to skydive. So, yep, I'm shooting the flame. I hope my parachute opens. I'm going to do it. I'm going to land on the building. Okay. I'll be on the ground. No desire to skydive. Amen. Failure. Failure to resist Satan and to give in to their desires led to a couple different things. First, it led to curses and defiance. The Lord came down and figured out what was happening. Instead of just coming back and you know, to the to the to the serpent, you're gonna crawl in your belly and you're gonna eat dust all the days of your life. Put enmity between thee and thy seed, and he shall he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. He gave a curse to the woman because as we all know, when you sin, sin is just a, a, a disobedience, not obeying what God has said to do. And so with the disobedience, with the sin, God handed out a curse to the woman and then said, you're going to multiply thy sorrows and in conception, you're going to bear a son. He said to the man, everything that you've known here in the garden has been already raised and cultured. You're going to have to go out and you're going to have to work the field. You're going to have to work for the food that you want to eat. Whereas paradise, that was your curse. It was your curse of living in a dreary land. From here, we find maybe, maybe 
of the Old Testament. One of the things from the Old Testament is being cast out of the garden to find ourselves in exile. Being re- being Because it's not that he's a, a, a terrible God or he's a mean God. Sin has consequences. And for Adam and Eve, the consequence was to be removed from the garden, to be removed from paradise. What Adam and Eve had lost in the garden was forfeited. They had lost communion and relationship with God. The Lord said that he, he placed a, a cherubim and a flaming sword in the garden at the entrance of the garden so that Adam and Eve weren't able to return and to taste of the tree of life. Because in their sinful state, in the exile state that they found themselves, if they were to partake of the tree of life, they would live eternally in that state. So the Lord protected them even when they were From this point, we find ourselves, humanity finds ourselves with the desire to return back to God. You could look at through the history books, the the hanging gardens of Babylon, a a representation, maybe the greatest garden, seven wonders of recreation of, of what they no longer needed, no longer Coupled with, with exile, also thought came with God creating laws, commands. You, you, you can't do this, you, you can't do that. And when you broke these commandments, when you broke these laws, a sacrifice was required. Generally, when we find an exile in the Bible, it is because of disobedience to God. exile was with Egypt and exodus out of Egypt. Then came Babylon, Persia, Greece, and finally the Mediterranean. Psalms 137 says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat. We sat down, yea, we wept. When remembered, when we remembered Zion, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they wasted us with mirth, saying, sing of us, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. Isn't that just like the enemy that to take you captive in your thoughts, in your actions, with guilt or shame, to take you captive and say, hey, why don't you go ahead and sing me a, why don't you go ahead and sing me a song? Here it says mirth. It means amusement, to mock, saying, song of Zion, sing me a song while you are in captivity, sing me a song, something about, sing me a song, something about chains being broken, dance like the the chains have been broken, because he did it, go ahead and sing me that song, I I love that song, 
while you're here in captivity, while you're here and you've got shackles on you, go ahead and sing me that song. That's my favorite song. I love that song. Go ahead and sing me that song. We find ourselves in exile, needing something or someone outside of our existence. With the curses also came the blessings. Stay with us. Shall the enmity between thee and the woman, and he shall touch thy thigh bone, and thou shalt bite his heel. In comparison, a head being crushed is far, far worse than being whipped or an ox pricked. This references the scriptures of Christ. The, the woman, Eve, humanity would bear upon Jesus Christ. An enmity would be between him and, and Satan. There would be enmity in that, that Jesus Christ would crush the heel of, the, of Satan and that Satan would only need the bite and the heel of Jesus Christ. He didn't condemn us. Jesus hasn't condemned us. He hasn't required of us that, that we stay in exile. He didn't, he didn't exile us and then lead us out condemn us, leave us to our own actions, leave us to the own fate that we have decided for ourselves, leave us to the, the, the sin that we have acquired ourselves. But God gave us a promise on that day that one day relationship with him would be gained again just like it was Old Testament contained over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah. The first being in Genesis, the first being about the snake and about the lamb. All these prophecies gives us hope. All these prophecies gave everyone in exile. They say things like, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. How he's going to be born? He's going to be born of a, a virgin, of a, of a woman who is a virgin. That he's going to have to flee him and his family into Egypt. That there's going to be a mass massacre of children at the birth of Jesus Christ. All these things point and lead to Jesus as being the Messiah. And so Jesus arrives, he's born, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. He's raised, he, he lives in Egypt for a period of time and his parents raise him to the best of their abilities. And you, we find him in the synagogue at 12 years old teaching, teaching teachers and teaching preachers. We find him at 30 years old acquiring, not acquiring, finding disciples, finding 12 disciples, saying, come and follow me. We find him doing exceedingly compassionate works for the poor, for the needy, for the hungry, for the dead, 
this week represents a, a special special time in Christianity. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday. Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, and they, they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. Listen to me. Thanks be to God that at one point you were capable of crying, Hosanna. And if that relationship isn't connected through love and by love, days later you are going to find yourself stuck in Jerusalem. Just like the, the people in Jerusalem. They went from Hosanna to laying down palm branches to, to laying out their to laying out their clothes and their tunics for him to walk upon, for his donkey to walk upon. And then days later, less than a week later, we find them screaming, crucify him. That was last Sunday. Yesterday would have been what we call the Last Supper. And Jesus sits with his disciples and he gives them a, an understanding of what to take They partake in communion. From the Last Supper, Jesus tells Judas, and Judas is the one who betrays Jesus. And he's telling Judas, he says, hey, I want you to, I want you to go, and I want you to do whatever it is that you're going to do. And he's going to take the cup. From the Last Supper, Jesus makes his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a familiar place for his disciples. This was a place that Jesus traveled through on a frequent basis. And so Jesus makes his way hours before his crucifixion to the Garden of Gethsemane. They say, scholars say, the scriptures say, all accounts say that he was filled with great sorrow and with great anguish, even to the point where he walked into the Garden of Gethsemane and his emotions were so strong that he had to get out of the garden, that he was summoning his life. And he leaves his three disciples and says, wait here, we're going to go a little further and we're going to have a conversation. And so we find Jesus face down in the dirt in Gethsemane, Gethsemane means the oil press because it was by the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives named because it was surrounded by olive trees. Gethsemane was an olive press where olives went, where they came when they were pressed, when they were crushed. They were crushed so that they would release the oil So it's no surprise that we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in an oil press with such extreme sorrow and agony being pressed by his emotions, being pressed by the, the weight of what was to come, that he shed his first drop of blood. We want to talk about how he knelt 
talk about the, sh- the blood that was shed on Calvary. We want to talk about how Roman soldiers went to put him on a cross with no healing. The blood that came from, the, from his hands and from the crown of full of nothing. We think about the blood that was extracted by human hands, but what about the blood that was shed because of compassion? We find in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible. Take away this cup. create a new way with whom you need to make peace. But we find the very next words out of his mouth, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Is it a a surprise what humanity had lost in the garden, Jesus had found in the garden? Is, is Is it a coincidence that Satan came and tempted Eve, gave her the desires of her heart, and she fell. Is it a coincidence that in the garden, Jesus found paradise as well? That Satan probably came to him. We know that Satan came and tempted him 40 days in the desert, promising to give Christ a cross, to give Christ a a crown without a cross. No doubt that he was in the garden of Gethsemane as well, saying, Yes, Satan, if you will give me a crown, let me be given without you pushing the cross. And we find that Jesus responds, Nevertheless, not my will, but where humanity had failed in the garden, Jesus able to make a way in his garden. During this time, Judas was, was doing, going about what he was doing, and the religious leaders were, were taking, taking their measure and making decisions on who to go about serving the best of Jesus. Satan had his plans. They were in the moment scheming, figuring out how do we accomplish what we have planned to kill the good neighbor that heaven had already appointed before him. That while Satan was trying to scheme, heaven already had a plan in order. They already knew what was going to happen. Regardless of what anyone else did, what Judas chose to do, what religious leaders chose to do, Satan chose, heaven had a plan. Which leads us to today, some 2,000 plus years ago, when Jesus would be executed, he was placed on a cross. Today we call it Good Friday. 
Scripture that we read, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but so by the obedience shall many, or the obedience of the one man, shall be for righteous. Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Which comes from the Father and Son.